0: Hey, guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is my you receive 125% sign-up bonus by using bonus we code. SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The racebooks has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginal. Follow my lead and get your phone online and sports betting partner with Integrity and longevity like i did bet us you bet you win you get paid bet us and welcome back everybody Uh, chris landry again busy day you have joined us for the landry football podcast and uh, we're so happy to have you join us as we take you through another edition a weekly edition of what's going on in football and Tackling topics as we normally do, kind of big picture items, and we're going to do that. We also remind you this is where you can interact with us. Join the show um, by following us um, Twitch TV, which you can find through LandryFootball.com. Find us there. Join us if you're listening to this in podcast form. You can um, join us in the chat room, ask your questions, take part in the show. Uh, if you are, um, you know, listening in a podcast form, go to LandryFootball.com uh, every Wednesday at 5 PM central and click on follow Chris on Twitch. And that'll get you right there. If you would sign up for the Landry football podcast channel is the best way to get the show dropped to you every time we do drop it. So really appreciate uh, everybody's involvement and, um, the show and spreading about what we do a reminder that we provide you over at LandryFootball.com, which we feel is the best in-depth film room analysis on the college and pro game that you can get. So check that out. It's less than a magazine subscription to give you an idea. It's less than $10 a month and less than that. If you take advantage of the year membership, so sign up for the uh, football uh, season. Sale. There is. Uh, it's the time of the year. The one of the biggest stories around football this week. Um, we had um, LSU and making a move on Ed Orgeron, and we've got Washington State an opening. USC's got an opening. Uh, the Raiders have an interim coach, and we'll see what happens there. There are going to be a few in the NFL, and there's going to be quite a few more that open up in college football. It's just inevitable. And um, it's just a part of the business. And we're going to have to wait and see all the details, but, and we're going to certainly keep you up to date here and the other platforms that I'm involved in on uh, what's going on there. What I want to spend some time today on is just the general process. Take you behind the curtain, so to speak on a, Coaching search, uh, a process, uh, and to maybe dispel some myths, some rumors about how things take place and what really happens, what doesn't happen, so on and so forth. I think that's maybe something that's worth, worth looking at and studying because you will get a lot of situations that come out that will talk about things a coaching opening takes place. Well, how good is the job? Let's just take college for example. How good is the job? Who are the top candidates? And of course, people throw out just the names and they just throw stuff out and see what sticks and and that's exactly right. And there's nothing really accurate about it. Um and there's just it's a fun speculation. It's an exciting time for fans. For me, it is a it's a, a deep-rooted part of what I do as a consultant, but I first want to explain a little bit of the roles that I have and have had in the past. First of all, while still employed by teams in the NFL, was often asked when a job came open to either help in the search or help in recommending folks or – maybe helping a coach that might be interested that I thought would be a good fit um, to go through the process and try to help them maybe get an interview and go from there. So um, what I tried to do is try to use those resources to help whoever was involved as I moved and backed away from just working with one team and began to become more involved in helping a lot of teams in a consulting role. that one of the things that gradually took place was utilizing more of a organized way of evaluating coaches and helping college programs, NFL teams, evaluate coaches, assistant coaches, head coaches, you know, on in, in all different levels to to really see who might be a good fit for certain positions. So, you know, the, the way I got started was, and it's just a, one of those situations when you work with somebody and you know firsthand what somebody is, you have a true understanding whether that person would be really good or not really good. If you know what you're looking for. And there's no question that probably the first biggest one that ever became involved in was Nick Saban to LSU. Um, I recommended him back when they hired, well, they actually hired Pat Sullivan from TCU and then they ended up hiring Jerry DiNardo. Um, and they didn't hire Nick Saban, but then when it came around the next time they did and was involved in it again, and that obviously worked out very well. But whether it's Kurt Ferrens or Bob Stoops or any number of guys that, you know, you feel like you, you have a good feel for it. Uh, I know that one of the things that I was asked to do by coaches that I've been a part, Bill Belichick and others, is that when I was out on the road to keep track of a list of who do you think does a really good job of coaching at certain positions and and keep a a book on that. And truth be known, um, I'm a kind of an organized freak on how I do things. I have to systematically routinely organize how I do things. So when evaluating players, there's, we've learned over years and years that the best way to do it, um, you know, is to create a form, is to create a way to objectively analyze. You know, evaluating players is not about I like that guy. I think he's the first rounder. That's not scouting. That's just making a a comment. Means nothing. Um in terms of evaluating a player, we do it in a very systematic, regimented situation on how many exposures in person, on film, in practices, on and on and on. And you grade them to a standard and what are the critical factors for that position and how it relates to you. Well, why wouldn't you do the th- same thing as a coach, evaluating coaches? Um, to sit there and say, Here's what I'm looking for. Um, It's more than that. So what I've done is I've made a list of critical factors that I think are the most important. But just like with players, what are your critical factors, Mr. Athletic Director, Mr. President, Mr. NFL Owner, Mr. NFL GM, what have you? What are your critical factors? And you grade each of the candidates and all of those critical factors, if you got five of them, if you got 14 of them, if you got 20 of them, I, I've got um, the exact number I always I always put in there. I have eight, and then I have some alternative. I got eight, and then there are things that kind of separate into other areas. Well, whatever, how many you think it's important? And it's going to differ depending upon the job and the situation and the locale. How do you? What's the most important criteria? Whatever those are, put them down in a form. Grade all the candidates in each of those categories in a written descriptive form. And then let's say they're 10. Let's just use that number. If the number one critical factor, obviously the most important, you multiply, you give a grade of him. You grade him on a scale. I suggest the scale of to seven. You grade, you grade them out. Is it grade out of seven, a six nine, a six five, whatever? You take that grade that you give in that first critical factor, and you multiply it times ten. Why? Because they're ten, and that's the most important. And you put the number, and then go on to second, third, fourth. If you do that to all of them, you might be surprised. It doesn't mean you have to hire them there. If you, but it, it's a it's a good checklist. It makes you think about it. Okay, that's fine. You really like this guy. Well, then if this is your most important cri- uh, criteria and you graded them differently, well, then why do you have candidate A over candidate B? You know, the, the, it's it's a good checklist for you. So that's how I. Kind of got started in doing it, and so what I do is I grade coaches and I put them in a generic sense but i can't i can't take it and make it's not one size fits all you're not shopping you know i mean you you know this is not um if you go shopping for furniture or china i mean it, it, you know you You've got to pick your color. you got your favorites, but it is it is what it is. If you go going shopping for pants, well, I mean, you can't get a size 32 if you're a size 38 waist. It doesn't fit. So there are certain things that I think are innately important in how I grade them. But then I give the grades in these specific areas and then in all the different areas. And then I would suggest the candidates say, what are your most important critical factors for you? And then you take how you grade them, maybe look at how I grade them, whatever, however you're going to utilize, and then put the numbers together. Because all the numbers do is force you to look at how you grade them. Because very often when you grade them a certain way, you think, I think I graded out higher than I thought. But you know what, just something doesn't strike me as good about them, and you might be surprised. A lot of times in coaching searches, there is a lot of that. We're going to get into it right now. There's a lot of that PR. Let's, th- this is a splash. This is good. This splash doesn't always get you the best. You know, what splash does, it gives the – person doing the hiring cover well who could have blamed them for hiring so and so everybody wanted them everybody wanted or whatever your job is to find the guy that can do that job the best for you and that comes in different shapes and sizes and packages so what I want to do now is take you behind the curtain on how things will work in a typical search. One of the things I will say is that if you're an athletic director, for example, let's let's try to break it down. Let's focus on college at this point. Um, when you look at um, specific uh, I lost my train of thought for a second here. When you're looking at a coaching search and when you look at college, you look at the NFL, they're different. I'm going to focus on the NFL and uh, college right now. And we maybe can discuss a little bit how NFL differs, but when you have a criteria, there's a different level in In the NFL. There's a lot more standard, certainly depending on the owner, there's a different criteria that the owner might have. But in college, it differs more and it varies more because there are programs, obviously, that have greater resources and a structure, if it's a state school, a private school, what have you. There's a lot of things that go into it. So when you make a move on a coach, um, in, in an athletic director, for example, may go through two coaching hires in his career, football coaches. The, I haven't been like the athletic director but I've been involved in probably 40 45 being around it so the one thing I've learned is how a lot of people do it and do it differently and so like I have to go through maybe you know eight or ten a year you know where I'm involved plenty more where I'm just giving evaluations of coaches but you you begin to learn a little bit more you can't make a lot of hires as an athletic director, because if you're making a lot of hires, that means you've done a bad job and you're going to get fired and you won't be around to hire the other guy or gal, whatever the case may be. But on football hires, one of the things I look at is when you make a move from a candidate and there are different ways to do it. We saw the LSU situation kind of come up and, and I've gone over that. I'm not going to rehash that and spend time on this podcast, but the Parting of the ways is certainly more amicable than, say, what happened at Tennessee a year ago where they're fighting the buyout and you got a lawsuit. So Tennessee has their new coach, but there's a lot of negativity. And, you know, if you're LSU and there's a lawsuit and there's a lot of stuff going on, well, then you potentially could have a situation where the negativity in the coaching world kind of muddies up the school, the search, and you don't want to have that negativity. So you have to look at how you depart from a coach. Certainly there's money involved. What are the resources you have to pay a coach or a staff out? Look, you, you have to be prepared if you're going to give a guy an extension, even if you think he's going to be great. You don't give him the extension with the idea that, uh, you know what, he's probably going to screw this up and I'm going to have to pay him out. You do it because you think it's going to work, but you better be prepared for the worst case scenario that you're going to have to pay the money out. And and so I think there's a way to do it amicably to where you don't come across as somebody that's trying to get one over on a coach because that puts a black mark on your position as an administrator in trying to get a coach. You want to treat people fairly. As you move into the search, the thing I always advise is it's fine if you want to have a search committee or what have you to give you information. But I think the searches work or don't work, it really depends upon how close rank of the circle of influences it is fine to get a lot of information filtered to you but the decision makers should be the one or the two people they keep their ears open their eyes open and their mouth shut don't share it with anybody you know uh, if you want information on two guys like if you want information from say two guys from me Request information on 20. So you're not given an indication of which two you might want. Be broad with it. Make sure that you close ranks because it's very sensitive. You have to work through agents, and you must be frank that, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about these guys. You have to work through the agents that are going to professionally handle things that you have to make sure that you're not being used, that you have control of the situation, and you don't give control of the agent to put stuff out that's going to aid maybe other candidates, which is fine if an agent – if I'm working with an agent and the agent wants to promote one of those candidates that's his quote-unquote a candidate for the job and he's really not and it gets him a raise, well, that's he, he wants to do that and, and play that with the school, that's fine. But don't share my intentions because that's where it's going to become an issue where it could be very um, difficult to get a guy that's maybe in his current position over to where you want him. So I think it is really important to be close-ranked. The less people that know, the less issues, the less problems that you have. Here's a couple of things that I think um, is important to know. Um, The old world of hiring coaches used to be this. Athletic directors were ex-coaches. They called a few of their coaching buddies directly, worked out a deal, And that was that there was no agents to deal with. You got a deal done. There was no internet. There was no social media. There were newspapers and local TV and nobody knew anything. And you just got it done. And I can tell you stories upon stories of how things happened in the day that if they played out like they did in the late sixties, early seventies, mid seventies, like if, the, if, if it was in today's world, today's technology would just be unbelievable. It would shut the internet down, some of the stuff that happened. Um, today, people kind of know everything. So one of the things that is done, and we have some very sophisticated media, PR, operative type folks. So one of the things you try to do, if you're in an organization, you're in an athletic department, and you think there's somebody that's leaking information, trying to play the big shot role, as we call it, There are little things that are done, like you might relay this information to this person, another set of information to this one, and another yet another set of information to this one and this one. And when you see the leaks go out, and you see that so-and-so is really liked by this one. where well, you know where the leak came from and who they talked to. That's something that can help you. The other thing it does is, let's say you have a candidate. The, the politicals do this. There is a political trial balloon. You know, like when they're trying to pass a bill or something, they'll throw the idea out. And let's see where the public, uh, oh, there's an uproar against it. Oh, there's a big believing. in. The polls say 60% for, 60% against. No, 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 I, I'm not for that. Yeah, yeah, I'm for that, depending on wherever the wind blows. By doing that, that, I think at times, I've seen administrators swayed by that. But mostly the good ones use that information as an indicator of how their fan base may or may not like it. If it's the right move to make, you don't worry about what they say. But it lets you know that if I make this move, I'm going to get a lot of heat and I better be prepared to sell that early on. Because you got to sell tickets, you got to sell excitement, you got to sell, sell, sell. But it lets you know, yeah, this is going to be popular, this is going to be unpopular. It's the right move, whether it's popular or not. But if it's the right move in your eyes and it's popular, then you don't have to sell it as much. If it's the right move and it's not real popular, you have to say, be prepared to sell it. Uh, Remember the Tennessee, when the athletic director told the reporter, when they were going to hire Greg Shannon, yeah, it's it's not going over real well. Oh, can you help me sell this? I've been asked to say, hey, look, we're considering this guy and we're getting a lot of negative feedback on it. Can you say something nice about this guy? That goes on. But it gives you an idea where your fan base is for or against or what have you. But, you know, you can't make a decision on that. You just have to make your decision that's right. But be prepared to the backlash and how to deal with it or the excitement, how to deal with that, so on and so forth. Um, So anything like that, I think, is useful. It also serves as a smoke screen if you're going in a different direction. And a lot of times people like to do that. Um, Agents will often, with the approval of their client, the coaches, throw their name out for every opening or a lot of them. It makes it look good if your coach so-and-so and your name's being thrown out associated with the school. So if you're getting criticized at the school for not being as good or you're looking for a raise or you're looking for more money for your assistance, you'd like to add three more staff members, whatever, there is a fear you might lose them. What did Auburn do with an interim president? No athletic director. They gave Gus Malzahn a ton more money that they bought off one year later because they were afraid he was going to go to Arkansas. Whether he was or he wasn't, it created more money. What did Jimbo Fisher get recently over the past couple of months? a raise of $2 million per year and an extension of more years on his contract just for fear that he might go to LSU. And he still, there is no buyout if he were to leave. But we want to take the preemptive strike to give him what he wants. Don't want to buy out, okay. We're not going to ruffle it. We're just going to make him happy and don't want to lose them losing a guy at a big time school, you lose somebody to another one, man, that's like, you are not doing, you're asleep at the wheel. It's the worst thing. And yet sometimes people just say, let them go. Well, it's easier to do. We've seen Barry Alvarez do that at, at Wisconsin. Let a guy go. Brett, Brett Biedelman went to Arkansas. I'll hire somebody. I'll do it better. But at Wisconsin, it's a prominent job, but it's not Ohio state. It's not, it's not where you absolutely would get embarrassed losing a coach. It happens. Now you see some go to the NFL and that's a different level, but a lot of it is guys get hoodwinked. Here's the reality. Again, athletic directors, school presidents, only are involved maybe in one, two, three hires tops in their career. An agent who negotiates this, and remember, 15% of the agents, 10% of the agents represent 90% of the clients. So they're doing these negotiating over and over again with all sorts of clients every year, renewing their deals with their with their current schools or at other places. So they're just better at working the system better than the administrators are in college. Cause they're professional in doing that all the time. Whereas the athletic directors only have to do that as it's the most important thing they have to do, but they only going to get a chance to do it a couple of times. Cause again, if they don't do it right, they're not going to get a chance to do it again. So. Those are things, I think, to keep in mind that a lot of times that the information is out there, a lot of time it's accurate because they'll put it out there to see how that is going to go from a PR standpoint. But sometimes that same information is put out there to see where the leaks are inside your organization or to see how the public perception will be when they're in a create a smoke screen when the reality is you're trying to do something else so you float some names out oftentimes the trick will be <clears throat> we'll float some people out on our b list so to speak not our a list our a list may be ones that we want to keep quiet because we don't want a preemptive strike to be made by where they're currently at to keep them off the market. The B lists and the names you would float would be the ones that would probably come under any circumstance to your place. Um, And when you do that, you get a feel for how that might float around the environment and see where, see where it may go. And again, give you an indication of where your the PR portion of this is. Uh, it is not always an indicator of who the candidates are. You will see this a lot. Coaching opening comes open. The first thing, how good's the job? And here's the candidate and they'll list 10 and they'll list 20. And this is what they should do. And they should that they really don't know much about the candidates other than look at their record and they've been here, they've been there. They don't really know the key to being a good coaching evaluator is to know who does what, at least with a player, the film doesn't lie with coaching. There's a lot of lies. There's a lot of unknowns. You can look at the film and see how well a team is coached, but you don't know who's responsible for what. And if you don't know who's responsible for what often the guy that gets the credit, For the success is the guy that's more um, coddles the media, develops friendship with the media. When you see a media person often, I like this guy, he's really good. It's their buddy, it's a guy that grants them interviews, it's the guy that talks to them, you know, off the, you know, on the side, off the record quid pro crawl. I'll help this guy out. He'll pump me up. Man, this guy's a great young linebacker coach this guy. This guy's a great, that happens all the time. You have the guys that are the self promoters that they work their way up. And you got to be careful because you get one of those guys, you get a salesman, a used car salesman that can, you can be sold a lemon. You need to know who's really good and who's responsible and who's responsible for the successes or the failures you got to know who does what and what is really going on. That determines how good you are. I mean, sales are up in your company. Who's really responsible? Is it your sales manager? Is he training all the guys and that's the reason? Or is it individual guys that are carrying the sales manager? How do you know that? Well, you know that if you're on the inside and you know all these people and you know what's right. The guy that's the talker, the guy that 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 comes across as selling himself better often gets the credit. And the guy behind the scenes doesn't get the credit. And understanding that I think is really important. Um, it's also important to go to people individually. Don't tell somebody, hey, I talked to this coach and he liked them, what do you think? Well, then you're basically putting words in their mouth to say, yeah, I like them too. Independently, go ask different coaches who you respect, who you know. Who do you like? Tell me, and then tell me why. And then do that with several of them and compare notes. Don't share what the first, second, third person told you. Get it independently. And then do your homework. So if a coach recommends three or four people, let's say, how well do you know the coach? and How well do you know the coaches? What are the relationships between the coaches that they're recommending and the coaches um, that he's not recommending? Meaning very often coaches recommend their friends. They want – They recommend somebody that they like. They recommend somebody that um, maybe they have a good relationship, they want to help. Somebody that's maybe a better coach, but they don't get along with personally, personality-wise, they may not like them. Okay, well, you got to really dig deep into that. And you, you don't push it with them, but you find out, Okay, what's the, the issue and what's the – I think that's important because maybe the guy that they does not like is the best guy, but there's just a personality issue. They just don't mesh. Neither one of them are bad. They just don't mesh. Look, I always say, <clears throat> you know, for me, you know, I get asked a lot of times by coaches, coaching buddies, to recommend them for jobs, and I have to be straight with them. I'll say, look, I – I can't recommend you for that job because I've recommended three others that, quite frankly, I think are more qualified. And and I know you may not see that way, and I, that'd make me right, but that's how I see it. And what's important is from a credibility standpoint, if if you don't get it right more often than not, you're not going to survive recommending folks if you just recommend your friends and you diss your enemy, so to speak, or diss people you don't like, you're not going to be successful there. Now, if you're just trying to help a friend, you don't give a flip, well, then you got to make sure as an administrator you don't get caught in that trap. So Bill Belichick is a great resource. Nick Saban is a great resource. Uh, Are you comfortable? Do you have a relationship with him where he's not going to steer you wrong? Because if he doesn't really, he may not be trying to hurt you, but he's not going to really, he's going to help maybe his friend. But if you have a relationship with him and he may need something from you, then he's more inclined to shoot straight with you. It's kind of like having a Nick Saban, let's say, talk about one of his players behind the scenes. If you listen, He's not going to say negative things, but he's going to shoot you straight and tell you things that are really worth with a sensitive ear to understand where he's going with it. He'll do the same thing with coaches, but he may not do that with people that he doesn't know quite as well. He's just going to, like everybody, just like he would talk to the media because he doesn't know or trust that person and how that person may turn around and use that information. If it's somebody they trust, it's relationships. It's about do, do they respect you? Do they trust your judgment? Do they trust what you say? That's a big part of it. It is about relationships. It is about getting information. It is about being thorough. It is about, to me, checking yourself. Not just checking your ego, but make sure that you evaluate using the correct criteria. Make sure that you do two things. right the evaluations in each of the criteria, each of the critical factors, and then put a number grade. It's a two-way check to make sure that you're not missing something. Be very thorough. Don't assume. You can find out a lot. I think I covered a lot of the things that I wanted. Let me get to the mailbag and some of your questions. Um, Spartan Barton says just listen to the Big 12 and beyond uh, and I'm so glad you suggested Dan Mullen hiring Knowles uh, do, do you have Mullen's number I know Dan pretty well yes Uh, do coaches want to work for Dan Mullen I think he's a tough guy to work for but I think he can work um, let's see here how did Chuck Oliver become the king of college football that's just a moniker Chuck has uh, very good What are the first things that coaches do after when they get hired? The first thing they do is put a staff together. That's the most first thing they have to do. Um, Why do college head coaches make more money than NFL head coaches? Uh, They do not, Spartan Martin. NFL coaches make more money than college coaches. Um, Have you ever heard a coach tell the interviewer, do you want to win or not? Uh, No. I think there are ways that's not that's like asking somebody if you like football or, you know, of course they do. They're going to say that. I think what you do is you ask it a different way. You ask about. Things that are essential to winning and how committed are they to doing that? Are they always a handful of active coaches with a national championship Or are we in unique times? Are there always a handful of active coaches with an A? We don't really have. Who do we have? Jimbo Fisher, Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban. Am I missing anybody that's got a national championship? Uh, not off the top of my head. There's very few. Um, well, Ed Orgeron, but he's gone. Less Miles, out of. Co- I mean, there's, there's not many of them. Um, what's my projection of Whitney Merciless fit with the Packers um, as we kind of move on a little bit. Let me put to bed the, um, the coaching um, issue. So when you get your list and you go through this process, then it becomes the stage of can you get them. Certainly you factor in much like signing a free agent, in the NFL, and this is where this is something you have to look at, is what it's going to take, and you know that from the agent about what it's going to take, and you have to put that plan together. And money for staff allocation, what you're going to pay them, all those things, you know, you have to have all your ducks in a row to be able to put forth that plan. Uh and then that's the same thing as signing a free agent. You have to be prepared also um a lot of it is supply and demand. Where are you in your coaching hire? Do you in your coaching search? do you have the one guy that you truly want, and is there a drop off between your next couple of guys that you would go to, or is it pretty close? If it's pretty close, then you might not give. The first guy everything he wants because you think you can get the other guy and it's not like you're trying to play cheap but there's no difference really between the two and if you feel like the one guy is being unreasonable then it may swear you away to say you know this guy may not be the right guy I want to work with and this guy might be I think those things are important the other thing to keep in mind there's this monitor will this this guy turn this job down and this school turn him down or whatever. A school never offers a job, a team never offers a job to a coach unless they know he's going to take it. So you know whether they're going to take it or not. Okay, and you don't say, "Um, Mr. Candidate, I officially offer you this job. You know, you don't get down on one knee like you do in a marriage proposal. Will you marry me? It doesn't work that way. It's kind of a gradual where it's going. And when you see that it's not going there, then there's a mutual parting of it's not going to work. And, you know, very often it's not going to work either way. It wasn't like, well, he could have had the job, you know, could have, would have, should have. I mean, neither one were agreeing on much of anything. I don't think it wasn't, it wasn't like it's like saying, well, he's not going to marry her. Well, she's not going to marry him. Well, what was it? I mean, it's it never was to be. Yeah, there are times where I think people target certain people and it just doesn't work out. It's not an official offer, but it's semantics at that point. But there are sometimes it just never progresses to that point where it's a formal offer. I mean, it's, again, by the time you have the formal offer, I mean, you pretty much know. Okay. Once you come down with a financial offer, everything else has been agreed upon. You take care of all of that first. So if you don't get to that point, then you never get to talking money. It's it's not an offer. I mean, call it what you want and be children about it. If we didn't offer anybody. We only offered it to one guy. Yeah, you do only offer it officially to one guy. You only put the numbers together for the one guy once you've got past all the other criteria that, that is going to work for both sides. That's how it happened. So... Uh, I guess I can say enjoy the searches out there or not. It can be stressful, I can tell you. It can be time-consuming. Um, And I will say there's this need to feel that this has got it right to win the press conference. We got it right. This is great. A lot of those don't work out, and a lot of the ones that people are down on end up being great hires. And I can tell you, it is comical how much people think they know who the good hire is and who's not. And I don't like this guy. I'm, like, And it's like, you don't even know anything about him. You, you, you couldn't like him or not like him. You don't know him. And I'm not talking about personality. I'm just talking about, you know, knowing – what a guy is or isn't and whether he's a good fit or not really is not something you can know unless you're really in the midst of it. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't quite get that. Um, but that's the world we live in. Everybody can pick a coach. Everybody can pick a player. Everybody can call a play. I get that. They really can't, but they think they do. So I get it. Um, he knows uh, on Kev's question, I think Whitney can be a good situational rusher for the Packers. They need a little bit more pass rush there. We broke it down. Check out the Scouts Island Pro Football Show. The pivotal game uh, Baker Mayfield not playing this week for the Browns. Thursday night, ruled out. Lots of talk, trade rumors about Tua and where he might go and not go. We'll have that updated over at Landry football, Denver, Cleveland, an important game in a pivotal game. And without Baker Mayfield at home, that could be really difficult. Kansas city goes to Tennessee, Cincinnati, Baltimore is big. Saints go to Seattle without Russell Wilson by weeks, Buffalo, Dallas, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, Jacksonville in college. um, What's on the, Landry Lab, let's do the Sunday first, which on the Landry, Monitor 1 on Sunday is Kansas City, Tennessee, Monitor 2, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Monitor 3, Washington, Green Bay, 4, Atlanta, Miami, Monitor 5, Jets, Pats, Monitor 6, Carolina Giants. That's the first window, only 6 in the first window. In the second window, it's Bears, Bucks. Monitor one, Eagles Raiders. Monitor two, I'll have Lions Rams. Monitor three and Texans Cardinals in monitor four. On monitor four, on uh, college, we've got a interesting game and night. Got Coastal Carolina App State. Really good game. Jamie Chadwell is a intriguing coach. I really thought Carolina South Carolina would have. Would have been a really good hire for them. Uh, he's somebody to keep an eye out. Really good coach. Goes to the App State in Boone, North Carolina. Um, on Saturday, monitor one in the opening window, OU Kansas, um, Northwestern Michigan, Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati Navy, Wake Forest Army, Illinois Penn State, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Kansas State, Texas Tech is a pivotal one. Um, not a lot of exciting games. Second window, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, LSU Ole Miss, Oregon, UCLA. Clemson Pitt would be in the um, monitor four. Um, probably going um Wisconsin Purdue Monitor five, which is a big one. And then I'm going um I think I'm going to go uh, Maryland, Minnesota six, And then the third window, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, USC, Notre Dame, got Georgia Tech, for uh, Ohio State, Indiana, South Carolina, A&M, West Virginia, TCU, Georgia Tech, Virginia, San Diego State Air Force. That's what's on in the Landry Lab this weekend. So um, appreciate you joining us. I, again, appreciate Spartan Bartman, Rich Coates, and Kev Belargo. Um, for joining us in the chat room. Spread the word about what we're doing. Check out LandryFootball.com for all the latest film room breakdowns, all the inside information. We got it all for you. Appreciate you, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. SEC football and beyond tomorrow. We'll talk to you next time. With Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.